It is Adam. This is Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where legendary and rising artists tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we are able to chat with the brothers Corin, as well as Rada of Daybreaker over Zoom video. The brothers Corin are from Sydney, Australia. They talked about where they grew up and how they got into music, eventually moved out. Both of them moved out separately in their teenage years to New York City where they pursued a career in music. They were in a band called The Kin, did very well, toured with Pink and Coldplay, signed an Interscope Records, so we hear a little bit about that story. And we hear all about Daybreaker, which is a wellness community and sober morning dance party, which helps inspire happiness online. It happens in 28 cities around the world, uh, mainly in person. And then when COVID happened, uh, it all kind of came on online. And that's where Daybreaker... And the brothers Karen ended up collaborating and they wrote a song together. The Daybreaker community, both brothers, they wrote a song, over 300 people on a Zoom call writing one amazing song together. So we hear all about how that song came together. The song is called Joy Generation and it was all written within an hour and a half between the brothers Karen, all in collaboration with Daybreaker. You can watch the interview on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be cool if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy. Please head over to our website, bringingitbackwards.com, and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over to bringingitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with the brothers Karen and Daybreaker. This is about you, all of you, your journey in music and how you guys collaborated together. Beautiful. Um, well, brothers, why don't you go first? Yeah, so um, first off, both brothers found out Isaac's older <laughs> and you're born and raised in Australia. And talk to me about that a little bit. Well, we actually, yeah, we, of course, we were born in Australia, started in music separately and actually re-met when we're in New York City as teenagers because we both followed our mother at different times to New York City. She was just in here. She was here a second ago. <laughs> but our mother decided uh, to relocate herself and leave her family uh, when we we're sort of early teenage boys. Uh, uh, she decided to um, follow this gut feeling and move to New York City to potentially mm. return to the theater. And uh, she was in the original cast of Hair, the touring cast. Really? Uh, mm -hmm. So she was, you know, it was in her blood. She was in a band with Colin Hay from Men at Work about wow. 18 months before Men at Work uh, became Men at Work. So they were, um, you know, sort of sorted, mm. very good friends, potentially lovers. I don't know. It's kind of 
we're not sure but they were both really young together um and she was discovered on the streets of king's cross in sydney by the director at the time that was putting together the touring cast of hair and so she toured the world in hair and found god in india and then moved back to australia had kids and then a decade or more later she had this gut feeling to go to new york and so she she ended up in new york i came first isaac came next and then we never left we we basically sunk our teeth into new york city and didn't know how to return to the beaches of australia <laughs> and we'd gone wow. into music separately isaac had discovered his voice and i'll let him tell you his story but i'd i'd found jazz as a teenager you know falling in love with music at school and i've ended up at a performing arts high school in new york and on meeting back up we realized that a we're both doing music and b well you know maybe we should write a song together and when we did we started harmonizing and we looked at each other and went well we better we can't not do this together <laughs> yeah. it was really the feeling you know i know this with rada you know being a twin you know you understand what that feels like there was almost a twin energy with with us at, at that time so we set out we thought <clears throat> success might be a week away and we set out and cut our teeth in new york city in in the uh, early 2000s and decided you know we'll do whatever it takes to end up on stages so that's how it sort of began our journey is what would become the kin and now the brothers corin that uh yeah we just sort of set on in this sort of 15 year journey you know based in new york for the most part so met some incredible people yeah sorry go ahead no no go you go ahead well i was just gonna say uh to weave in rada momentarily as well um we met some incredible people one of which was this amazing producer we still love him and work with him today his name's scott jacoby and uh he's he's uh loves soul music and uh he's used to be a grammy trustee he's just, just a great great human being in music and he said hey after the session he was like actually i've got a ping you guys have to come to this party now it's a loft party and uh he's like you you're gonna meet you're gonna meet some people i really love uh, trust me you're gonna come if you don't if you're free you know so we go over there we walk into this place and mickey and rada the two two twin sisters um are sitting you're both kind of like sitting one maybe standing on the kind of kitchen island in this new york city <laughs> apartment and just holding court there's just I don't know, it looked like a hundred people stuffed into this small apartment. And it was just a party. It was, I think they were singing along. It was like kitchen karaoke. And I just, the way we all just kind of looked at each other and goes, ah, oh, there you are. You know, <laughs> I, I remember you, I recognize you. And it was just a kindred spirit from the first moment. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, Scott actually is turning 50 and he just invited us to his birthday. Wow. We should just, all surprise him together and just show up together. Um, but he yeah. upstate New York, but yeah, he just, he just, uh, I just got an email from him today. He's like, are you coming? You know, uh, but we've <laughs> kept in touch all these years. Um, but wow. Oh God. I love, I, I, I feel like I didn't even know a part of the story. So it's so beautiful to hear that. Um, well, should, do you want me to say, yeah, jump in. Yeah. Let's hear it. Jump, yeah, yeah. jump so, in. So, yeah. So, I mean, I fell in love with, with them that night, you know, um, and, um, and then I went to see their shows at Rockwell Music Hall in New York City. Um, and I just, you know, I just became like not only a friend, but also a fan of their music. And I just loved not only um, just their incredible vocal, um, just just range and, 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 and songwriting, but it was, it was also their souls and the way they involved 
the audience so so seamlessly and beautifully. And and um, so actually, all these years later, um, when I started Daybreaker eight years ago, so Daybreaker is a global morning dance community, and we. Um, we throw dance parties at sunrise um, in 30 cities all around the world. And we built a community of over half a million people um, who wake up to, to dance sober um, and on weekday mornings before people go to work. And it just became sort of a, an overnight kind of hit that we didn't even realize um, would happen. And, um, you know, so many thousands of people were wanting to dance um, to music and really be present to the music and not be sort of um, shrouded by, you know, drugs and alcohol. So Daybreaker is very, is a, is a sober dance community. Um, and so anyway, during COVID, so, so fast forward, you know, a year ago, um, we're in the middle of COVID and we just shut down all 28 of our cities and, um, and we launched Daybreaker live online. And um, we, we realized, I think, I don't even, did you guys actually, perf- yeah, you, of course you did. Yeah, that, that day. But, but, but we, we ended up um, wanting to actually write a song as a community during, um, during the pandemic. And, and I remember having this idea with, um, with my team of just like, you know, post COVID, there needs to be some way to bring kind of all of us together, you know, and, and really, Write a write a write a song together. What if like our next Daybreaker anthem was written by our entire Daybreaker community on Zoom, right? Like from all around the world. And what would that be like if um, instead of it just being one person writing music, you know, and then everyone listening to it? What if it was a collective that that did that? It, I'd never seen it ever actually. Um, and and then I um, I just I just was like following the brothers Karen's Instagram, and I saw that they had announced that they were doing a whole you know unlock your voice uh, you know and and a whole sort of series of of incredible workshops to help regular people find their voice and um and i just was like oh my gosh like what are the odds and and so i reached out on, on instagram and i just kind of like slid into their dms and i just said hey what's up guys haven't talked to you in forever but i, I have an idea can we jump on a call? And um, it was so crazy. It, yeah. It just so happened that we'd been doing this very thing for five years yeah. since, you know, 20, I think 2017, when we got invited to go to this retreat with, I think it was a, you know, a hundred different leaders in California. And Tarot looked at me and was like, we're not going to sing our show today. We're going to, I've got this down that we need to write a song with the room. And I was like, Fuck, that's intense. Excuse my language. <laughs> no, you can cuss. And, uh, and we, we did it, and it was awkward. And so we, we've done hundreds of them, and now and then during COVID, we started doing them virtually. We for, started doing for them corporations and writing anthems for groups and charities and you know, just for the thrill of it. And there are moments that are, that are uncomfortable, and so it kind of takes a certain so we applied um and i'll let Tarold tell the story but we applied this kind of songwriting journey approach to you know a practical approach mm. to to the songwriting process for groups to have you know a, a democratic you know experience well the songwriting process and is, it was sorry go ahead sorry because I was, no, I was gonna say what i was gonna say it was just like it was so masterful um you know first we got on the call and we're just like okay great we've done this before for the last many years i was like okay this this is perfect um and then when i invited you guys on to zoom there's like 300 people or so on zoom and 
and just the way your process of um, of just getting people to first let's find a note together. Let's everyone sort of like unmute yourself, which is the opposite of what you typically say on a Zoom call, you know, right? But it was like, unmute yourself and everyone find a collective note together. And I was like, wow, this is so inventive. So every author was like, ah, la, ah, you know, and he was like, okay. And then like, they're like, all right, cool. And they had their, their the guitar and they were like, all right, I, I think I hear like a C major as the main chord, you know, chord line. And like, let's use that as the, as the thing. Like, so they literally like democratically, so ingeniously invited everyone to find the note together in a vocal toning moment, which I thought was genius. And then, um, and then, and then it was like, okay, now let's start writing the lyrics. Let's now start humming the tunes. Let's find people to sort of like invite different uh, melodies and tunes. And it was just like so interesting to watch you guys um, invite sort of um, first-time songwriters, first-time musicians to really find their confidence, um, to really, to really unlock, um, unlock their voices and. Um, and and but then like the way you guys then took the 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 sort of like the vocal tone or the lyrics and then you sort of then turned it into um into a song into sort of lyrics into um into choruses that that sounded like a song that had been worked on for you know months and months at a time it was just it was just extremely masterful and i haven't had a chance maybe to even let you both know how impressed and inspired i was by that whole process it was it was incredible thank Thank you you. and what you know what great timing um that you know you were you were looking for this way to bring your community together and by reaching out we're like well let's just do that very thing you know like coming together with the daybreaker community um adam was such a thrill like Mm. they're so it's such a community that's so ready um to be tapped you know ready to be um to be expressed and and to create together you know it was just it was clearly in such alignment that, that allowing song to kind of flow together um it just came out seamlessly in that hour and a half we were together yeah and yeah you know to us the song creation is 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 really just this beautiful excuse to dive into the creative process is what we look at as nature intended right Mm -hmm. and that so many so many times the creative process gets skewed back to being kind of based on what people might want to hear or what might want to receive this could be a business idea or a song um and we feel like when you just open it back in in the direction of making a mess together and setting the right conditions and you know Mm. masterful songwriters know this to be true that really uh the more masterful a songwriter the more they're like a kindergartner um at play in a dirty sandpit and that you know you arrive and say hey like what kind of mess should we make and you know letting the gift of song kind of distill itself so that's really what we've found this way to just be with first time people in that process and it brings this fresh magic you know sometimes when you have no concept of of how to craft you're the most free to craft Mm. right and so daybreaker and rada um of course eli and everyone was just so ready to let it just come to the surface and what came out was this really incredible song that we had the opportunity to record the other thing about the song was we we recorded the whole thing virtually too so uh, the actual song that's uh that sort of came out of a joy generation 
um, was created over the airwaves. Not one person except Isaac and I saw each other in the creation all the way through, you know, recording, mixing and mastering it. It was entirely a virtual experience. I would say it was the most seamless experience of writing an anthem that we've ever had because the the community was already like Ryder had been and, and her whole crew had been kind of giving this energy and creating cohesion and, and, and expression all day. And then we come on and culminated in a song. So they were just primed and like, let's go, let's go. You know, we've, we've always encountered groups with a certain amount of, you know, oh no. And yeah. you know, what the fuck face is going on. And like, you know, <laughs> like pale, like just oh. like, oh God, don't make me do this, but please let's do it. You know, but Daybreaker were just like, let's go write yeah. a song, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Wait, so not, but Daybreaker is, you said is a dance collective, right? So yeah. are any, is anyone a songwriter or was it just kind of this new untapped was, territory for everybody? It was a new, and I think, you know, dance and music, of course, are so intertwined. And I think if you have dance in your bones, you have music in your bones. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a really new opportunity for our community to flex in, in, in different ways. But I, I obviously don't think we could have done it without without these two, uh, without Isaac and Torold really, um, you know, shepherding the process. But, but I think that, you know, there is a magical dance between music and movement and i think that we often forget that in music listening that actually what happens when we're listening to music the best kind of music you're tapping your feet you're moving your head you're bopping to the beat and i and i think that um the best music does that to you it it takes you away from the ears and into your body you know absolutely on a quick question on daybreaker because you said it's a community you know it's a sober right you said it's a sober dance community and and is that was is that for because i'm i'm a sober i'm a sober person i've drank for almost five years so i was yes. wondering if that's part of the is part of the whole the company i mean i guess you don't well yeah have, I mean, is it oriented around like a, some sort of aa or not at all no 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 i mean i think the whole idea of why i started daybreaker in the first place and and i think so much of what we do together as, as artists is just like to break the codependence between having fun and being fucked up you know right. i think i think so much often you know music listening experiences or dance experiences people are often high on some new designer drug or like has some drink in their hand that they're you know spilling on people next <clears throat> to them and it's a very mm-hmm. frustrating often frustrating listening experience for real music aficionados people who are there to actually take in music and take in the artistry of the musicians and I, and so um so i think that you know the idea of creating a sober experience not only for the participants but also for the artists who are there i mean i can't tell you the number of times artists have come up to me crying tears in their eyes like mm-hmm. i've never played for a more present community i've never played for a more connected group of people. This was like, I felt like I was actually finally getting, you know, getting into their souls rather than just uh, sort of a monkey entertaining people with drinks in their hand. And sure. Um, and I think that there's something to be said. And, I, you know, I always encourage artists to to say, hey, like maybe let the booze come after or before the, the music experience or like maybe way after the experience, but like during the music listening experience, like let it be phones off and no booze so that people can actually be there focused on the music and, and really take it in. You know? Wow. Oh, you, chills. you hit such a nerve with that. Cause you know, if I really go into, firstly, uh, and this is not always said, but, um, you know, we definitely didn't get into music 
for sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? Like I was, a, <laughs> I was a music nerd, right? And and Isaac, his own version, and and it was later that that is a part of being a band, and um, you start to you start to learn that it's a part of it. So you almost as a as do, you know as men in a band and brothers in a band, you start to get that okay, well I can play that role if I need to, like if it has to be a part of it. <laughs> right. But once you also start to discover, especially in a mid-level of success, is that um, in order to actually keep growing, um, it involves stuff like um, people handing you drinks as you play and like promoters wanting to have Jaeger shots afterwards and um, mastering the pretend I took a shot and throw it behind my back. And, and, you, and, and, it, and it's like funny and also really sad. You know? Sad. I think it's yeah. a part of the industry people don't really want to talk about around music too, not just going out mm. um, on a Friday night. But, um, you know, it, it's so amazing, Rada, that, that you're creating that environment because it's true. And I think there's so many more artists out there that actually would mm. accidentally have partied, not consciously said, I love partying, you know, the accident, you know, and I could go back to uh, chunks of our career, even when we were opening for Pink and Coldplay and all that stuff we were up to, that I was, I didn't think I was drinking when I had three vodka sodas. Like that wasn't a drinking night. That was just, mm -hmm. a, that was a normal night. And right. um, I never meant to drink, you know? And mm -hmm. so I think it's such a powerful, it's a really powerful message here about our expression creativity and the impact you can have when you're just home in your body, you know, mm. so much of our work is about inviting people home into their presence and it's got nothing to do with um, alcohol or the exploration of um, yeah. drugs. And I think it's about songwriting and gathering like you do rather as like a safe space. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. can songwriting be safe even for the terrified, you know, and, and, you know, similar to can this gathering be safe and that all, all, of us acknowledged in in a similar way like have that cohesion and okay sober. we're sober sober this another we're word for sober present. could be conscious right just yeah. like exactly like that's, ex that's exactly right it's like how can we so it's like the word sober has if you look at the dictionary it's like muted in color boring you know but <laughs> yeah, it's like sure. you know we actually want to redefine sober to be present conscious mindful connected mm, intentional you know and um and i think so often yeah to, to especially in the dance world also there's so many drugs and so mm -hmm. you know so so it's so um it's it can be such a zombie land you know mm. that um and and i think so much of the music space is is again divorced from from the body and how you're feeling it's like an escapism mm. rather than a returning to yeah. right like we mm. want people to return to themselves not not escape themselves yeah yes, well yes. Said. yes. yeah that is really <laughs> yeah. well said i love that and, and i've talked to artists too that you I mean, you have this perception of like, yeah, sex, drugs and rock and roll. But if you really look at the artists that make it and achieve what they're trying to achieve, there's so much hard work and so much dedication and, and so much there that I think is just kind of even looked over with certain like, oh, look, he's just on stage like partying and like having a great time. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, this person maybe is doing that. It might be an act. And it's also probably something that they've been they obviously did the hard work. They didn't, you don't just wake up, write a song, and then just you have this huge following of people. I mean, maybe right. you get one, one successful hit on, especially, you know, I guess, now with TikTok and everything else, but what's the longevity of that? Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. I feel like, yeah, I just, 
And I think that's so cool. The whole sober, the, 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 the everything behind dance or daybreaker is so like it's right up my alley. Cause like I go mm. to things and I'm like, okay, I just got to stay in the bag and you'll see the idiots like wasted and like, like I love yeah. this song. And it's like, right. are you here just to get messed up? And you know, I mean, mm. I get it, I guess, but I don't know. You're not really taking in right. what like you guys go out there and perform and expressing yourself. So you're giving something to the crowd, but if somebody's all, you know, not, fully there it's they're not receiving the same probably what you're intending yeah. obviously 100%. yeah and I, and I think I and I think it's like you know and I, it's like maybe this is a call to all artists you know listening you know to to really um to really ask themselves like what type of audience member do you want and what type of environment are you creating um for your audience right and how can you take a stand and say no thank you to promoters or how can we how can we like really have that fortitude the way the brothers have done that so beautifully mm-hmm. um you know sort of like in having this this sort of um yeah i feel like awakening to to the type of music that you want to create to be offering sort of your services not just as an artist and performer but also as um a teacher and and a facilitator to help people unlock their voices and i think that is that is the dharma of all of all of you know so you know all of us mm-hmm. as artists quote unquote you know like i'm an artist in the in the sense that i gather people right they're they're artists in the sense that they they create music that inspires gathering as well mm-hmm. um but it's like you know is anyway is there a world in which we can really um really invite a whole new envi- environment for music listening mm-hmm. um for for the future so that yeah so that we can we can be present and respectful to the to the musicians on stage oh my god how do you um like manage 300 plus people on a zoom call trying to write a song i'm i I, to me that just sounds like it'd be so chaotic well we'll start by saying i think you have to be a little crazy and um (laughs) you're looking at them uh crazy in one sense of uh a redefining or reframing the word crazy to me means um to come home, you know, in yourself and lean into the edge of what is uncomfortable or not. And I think inherently um, stepping into 300 people virtual and saying, we're gonna write a song and there's nothing been prepared. And we're just going to trust the, the process of letting it unfold and understanding we only have 90 minutes to do so. It requires like, um, not just uh, being okay with being uncomfortable. I think as a leader, it, it requires you to seek um, seek out the space where it, it is uncomfortable and just usher people, right? Like I think uh, shepherding, I think Rada said, I, we yeah. shepherd people forward through the parts that most of us get stuck in, mm-hmm. right? And so it's, a lot of it's to do with like, um, just knowing we're going to get to a song. I think we both trust that we know no matter yeah. who's in the group, we're going to get to a song within mm-hmm. the, the hour, no matter what. Yeah, and it also, I agree with that. And it also came from errors. You know, it just came from forcing ourselves to, like Tara said, the outcome of getting to the song. And we really didn't know how particularly we we're going to do it the first time, other right. than we'd applied our, you know, what came to us is we call the songwriter's journey, which is this practical 10 step process which starts in making a mess it starts in true chaos it starts in anything's possible and then after that it it starts you know looking for the yes and like what is that what is that thing that we can all love can we take that and play with it you know sculpt it we call it and then from there can we look for some kind of 
uh, meaning or something we can repeat, something we could find some form in, and we call that framing. And then from framing, we kind of see the bigger picture, and, and we kind of we take we take turns in holding the space while the other goes off and does some distilling and kind of patchwork and putting the ideas together, making decisions. So there is some there are some kind of critical moments where we make decisions for the whole based on what we've learned from them in the in the time we with we have with them and then and then from there we kind of move into lyrics and that's when it kind of becomes really interesting and fun because people are already really good at sharing their ideas on chat on chat and so suddenly everyone's really good everyone's like oh oh i'm gonna get in on this you know (laughs) and so and then and then kind of like the scrolling we got to like grab things and like the person there's a person that's scribing and sharing a screen and it gets really fun and we 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 quickly in the moment we don't dilly dally the 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 greatest issue with any creative process we find is consideration if we stay in consideration we go into our heads and suddenly we're not using our body to make decisions and that's that's experienced songwriters too you know uh that you know i think there's a human element right no matter how experienced you are at songwriting um what kind of ways of being are you being and one is um you know no consideration till the end um, make a mess in the front. Um, trust your first creative impulse. Like yeah. uh, the greatest songs of all time have been created from someone trusting their first impulse, their first like, you know what? Uh. And once that ah uh, is let out, then it starts to sculpt and crystallize. And in a safe space where the idea is not to judge, but to see what you love. Mm-hmm. You we, know, call it daring, f- we call it daring to suck. Um, and we learned that I like that. We learned that originally um, many, many years ago from Billy Mann, who's a big songwriter. Um, Amazing songwriter. And he said it in this session. We were signed to Interscope at the time. And we got this call that Billy wanted to write with us. And uh, so we went up to his Connecticut home and he has this, you know, stair, staircase to his private studio with all his records in it. And it was, you know, pretty intimidating. We're, we were on our best behavior. And he comes up um, fresh out of the shower after his trainer had seen him. And like, we were kind of, you know, ready to write a song that we hmm. would be good you know and he had this idea he's like all right two brothers uh one of you's love one of you's fear and it was very obvious at the time i went through a lot of mental illness in my life which is like okay i'll be fear <laughs> and so it was like the battle between love and fear was this idea he had he just had this idea this first creative impulse and we went okay let's let's roll so we started making these chords with him melody came out he looked at us and said okay um, keep working on it. I'll be back for lyrics in a bit. Comes back and we sit down. And it's all quiet. We're sitting in this studio, and we had a good melody. At the we time had a good melody. And chords. And know. there was like a couple of lyrics coming out for a verse, and we're all sitting there thinking about the second line of the verse. And I'm sitting there, and I suddenly have this idea rush up my body, and as it's about to touch my lips and come out, my body started to move to share it, and then <laughs> the inhibition of ah, I don't think that's any good came out. So I went, you know, and you. This is a podcast, but my body moved like I was going to say something and I stopped myself. Mm-hmm. And out of the peripheral vision, Billy saw me do that and he kind of finger snapped at me. What was that? What was that? And I went, huh? And he went, you're about to share something. Dare to suck. Trust me, it's gotten me far. <laughs> and uh, of course, I shared the idea and it did make the song. And then he, wow. and, and later that same session, he went, I'm just daring to suck. And he said it again about an idea he had. And that also made the song. And so that day, you know, we left with this new framework. And over the last decade, uh, especially in the last six years, when we started our company, Your Big Voice, and created programs around the songwriter's journey and the singer's journey, our, our mission has always kind of 
at least in part, sat under this way of being called Daring to Suck. And Daring to Suck to us is really specific now. You know, we've taken it and ran with it. It's can you two feet into your instrument, your body, share the first creative impulse you have with no attachment to the result that it's liked, acknowledged, used, approved of, rejected, that can you daringly let it pass your lips, even if it's not Mm. great? Mm Mm-hmm. And that way we're risking not sucking. We're really risking greatness at the end of the day. So that's really yeah. kind of a big part of our work with people. I like that. And when, so you, you get together, you have these 300 people, the lyrics are coming through, you kind of have the melody. And then how do you frame the song from there? You said that it was able to be recorded, mixed, everything virtually. Like how not, do you leave the well, session with all that stuff? It's not exactly recorded virtually, but what we do is we demo it from our end. Um, you know, we press record, we finish the song and then, and, and a lot of that is, is kind of final decision-making. So Rada was in there kind of helping curate and, um, and so we, you kind of need a curator in that final part of the songwriting. Um, Oh yeah. I would think that that's okay. We kind of put it together, right? We, we do that. And you know, we, they lean on us, but they're very much in welcome, you know, ideas are flying and. And we use all of them from, you know, we source it. We don't come up with any of them ourselves. We kind of just sourcing, you know, yeah. we're doing the sourcing and making decisions. And often we're asking, is that, it, you know, is it this one? Do we vote this one or this one? And then, you know, we kind of count the votes, so to speak, with our eyes. Anyway, and then we, and then we sing the song, pressing a record, making a voice note. And at the end, we always kind of unmute everyone for the final chorus. And we use that recording and we go off and Todd and I make, you know, in this vocal booth here and in our studio here, um, we just record a demo version of the mm. song and we mix in the, mm. the background vocals. Yeah, we try to mix in people from the community into the song they wrote. Um, and, you know, really we sing it through live, trusting that we can hold the framework, have them sing along on mute, unmute themselves, create that beautiful chaos. And then I'd say the, the most powerful way to complete any song to us, which I think is very overlooked, is always name a song even in no matter what stage it's at give it a value give it a a space because as soon as you name something you've claimed that it is and when it is it it exists Mm -hmm. and i I think there's a lot of songwriters out there that forget that they have a lot of ideas floating around that just say like you know voice note 192 Um, (laughs) and and ideas want to be honored and as soon as we honor them we 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 call the particles into being we give them value it's super important so we claimed it um and of course it was very clear to rada and the whole community this was going to be called called joy generation so that's really how it came to completion i love that and then did you and so the song's done and you uh rada do you share with your community like how did what's the next step yeah yeah yeah. so we launched a music video that um, actually shared the entire songwriting process so it's a very uh, what I love about this music video that it actually talks about the full collaborative experience rather than just an end song, which I think is can be quite boring sometimes. Like I, I actually, I'm a nerd for process. So like if every artist could actually, if their music video was them in the studio figuring out how to make things and doing the thing, rather than some like glossy, you know, hair blowing in the wind type thing, I just find I just find that to be. I mean, uh, way more interesting to see the process than some glossy finished thing. Mm-hmm. So we, so we, um, so we did that for this video. We really, um, we really kind of 
shared the, the Zoom screens and really showed the dum da dum you know, like everyone kind of like humming, humming their moments. And so, um, so that, so we, so we launched the music video and then we, um, and then we did a huge uh, dance party, sort of song release party um, in New York City and um, had a bunch of press and media come there. Um, and, and then we, I mean, we submitted for a Grammy. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I uh, saw that. that. Be... So that that's the song that you guys submitted for in the best folk yeah. category. Yeah, or is that a the, different one? Okay. Uh, no, it's, a it's in, yeah, it's, it's like our album has been submitted as best folk album, and yeah, and Joy Generation and I think, uh, submitted for. I'm not sure. Like, what... I don't even know. I think like song song of the year. Great. <laughs> Why not? Why not? That's gold. amazing. Um, and 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 I think like one of the reasons why we did that, like almost like not like I, I actually think that the Grammys needs a complete do over right now. I think the Grammys are desperate for something um, new and fresh that isn't just the same old stuff, you know, constantly um, being, being shared uh, and, and, and sort of coveted. I, I think the idea of a community driven community written song that wins a Grammy, I think is a completely new story and new opportunity for the Grammys to democratize songwriting for all artists in the world. Um, and also tells a different story around the competition or the competitiveness of the world of songwriting as it being something that is truly a human experience rather than you're the best and you suck and you win and you don't win. And, you know, and I just feel like the mm. whole thing just feels so like cool kids get to wear the, the badge and the, you know, the kids who are like also working just as hard don't have, you know, don't have a, a little trophy to show for it. And I just think that, I don't know, I think there should be a new category or something around like collaborative community driven um, songwriting. But I just think that, that, that there needs to be a new story written around, around music. And I think the Grammys need joy generation. I think the Grammys need yes. something um, that shakes the industry a little bit and tells a different story. And, um, and so I think that's why we submitted it more of like a, Hey, like we're, we're here too. We exist too. It's a beautiful song. It's, it's written by community for the community by the community, um, and um, and that there's value there too. And it's also a magically it's a magical song, you know. Amazing, so, mm. heard it here. Beautiful, that was beautifully said. You know? And are you guys? What about con collaborating again? Is this something you'd be interested in doing again? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, for Thanks for the request. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no. I mean, I think there's so many things, and I want to talk to you guys about. Yes. Uh, I mean, other projects that we yeah. have, but um, but we're doing yeah. Next year, we're doing four ten city tours, um, in you know one in each quarter. So it's a very ambitious 2022. Um, but we're planning. Yeah, right now we're in the middle of of building um, four 10 city tours. Each tour um, has its own theme. So one tour is called Nature. It's like Daybreaker at Botanical Gardens and outdoor spaces wow. across the country. You know, Amazing. Daybreaker um, culture, which is like Daybreaker iconic arts and culture institutions like, you know, the, the, the Smithsonian Museum or with the New York Philharmonic or, um, you know, really exciting cultural institutions and and really thinking about how to actually bring dance and, and music in sort of more unconventional spaces yes. um so in that i would love to to do some collaborations Ooh. with with the brothers karen um and um and i just think that there's um so many more opportunities for for this type of 
participatory um, experience design, you know. Mm-hmm. Like that. I was going to say, yeah. there should be a Brothers Karen uh, Daybreaker tour where you have your dancers on stage with them as they play. And we write stuff. a song with the room and we have an album. Oh my God, I you love know? that idea. Oh, wow. What about that? The, do you like album tour. shows? They break an album tour. Yeah. We do 10 shows and 10 songs are written at the end of every event. Come like on, one man. song, like one song at the end of it. So by the end of the tour, you have a 10 have a song 10 album song record. written yeah. by the community. Yo, that's cool. Talk about a Let's Grammy award winning record there. I love that idea. <laughs> Our first that, tour at Q1 is called Wonder, FYI. And we can't get on the phone without, we can't get on Zoom without coming up with a new idea. I love it. I like we can get on a podcast and start making ideas. Let's just schedule on the podcast. Imagine that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. totally. I'm down. <laughs> that is awesome. Really cool. So, you got that going on with Daybreaker and then Brothers Karen, you have uh, a record up for a Grammy. It's yourself, I mean, with the new one, right? Yeah, we do. With And it's the first time we've been considered uh, in our career. You know, obviously we had, you know, a 15-year career as a band called The Kin. Uh-huh. And uh, in 2015, on a break from touring, and we left Interscope. And in between labels, we just, we were struck by this, this real gut feeling to um, write for others and foster other voices to the forefront. We had no idea we'd go on to create our company. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't take a break from being artists, but this new sort of intuitive approach to help foster other voices, find their expression, creativity came in. And uh, it kind of took up the, these sort of three or four years as we launched what we do in the world as your big voice. Uh, and then right in that moment, we were like, well, we're clearly artists too. Um, and it's not the kin right now. If we did something together as brothers, what would it be? We were kind of mulling about it. And right at that time, we went back to New York and played Rockwood Music Hall. Uh, just old kin, uh, kin songs and different things we'd been up to. And Ken Rockwood, who who is the you know founding creator of Rockwood Music Hall, pulled Isaac aside actually and was like, I want to sign you guys. First of all, no one's ever said those words. Not like that. Ever. And not with a finger in the chest. Like, I want to sign you guys. I want to sign you. I want to sign you guys. It was like very like, like know, okay. <laughs> it, was, it was very like a movie about you know, nice. some kind of music movie, you know. Like, yeah. And uh, so we got on the phone with him after this trip and, and said, okay, Ken, what do you mean by that? And he was like, you know, just you brothers, you know? And we're like, do you mean like stripped down just songs and stories, just two voices? And he was like, yeah. And we're like, oh, thank God. Cause that's exactly what we were thinking. Like if we ever do an album, just the two of us, we want it to be like our take on stripped back. It wasn't even intentionally made to be folk. It was meant to be stories from two voices harmonizing. We wanted to try harmonizing the whole time, basically. Pretty much every moment. This is how we started. And then we kind of branched off into different ways of singing together. But this album, we just wanted to be like this. Yeah. And, uh, so and we actually, yeah. we started the process by taking ourselves along the songwriter's journey, which is our sort of flagship program we take people on. And so we took ourselves on it late night. Like Isaac would come around uh, to my house. And um, it just so happened that at the same time we were writing this album, um, I had had a son born with a brain, this severe brain injury. Um, his name was Jack and he had nurses and feeding tubes and suction machines and uh, our life had been turned upside down. And, um, but he was with us and, and we, he was this little miracle. And the, uh, one of the very few things that he loved was to hear sounds and music. It would calm him down. Hmm. And so we'd bring him in at night 
next to us as we kind of began to call in these songs. And more and more he would participate with us in some way, you know. He probably only had about 5% brain function, you know, according to neurologists. But he really could clue into music. Um, and even one of the songs he would sort of sing these sort of make these vocal sounds and so we even based a couple of songs off the key he was making absolutely sound. I mean he really oh, wow. he proved that everyone has a voice you know? absolutely uh, that is so that is special wow so he was with us you know and, and it actually became an album to to grieve uh, uh, the experience you know anyone that goes through an experience where they have a child born um, to that kind of severity um you know, it was a, it was there was obviously a lot of grief to process in our family, so it almost became an album for us to do that in a it, safe space for that to occur. And to, for, there was conversations between, you know, all of us and our mother who had you know dis- different different opinions about what to do and everything. So we kind of put all of that trauma and tension into songs where they could actually be beautiful. You mm-hmm. know, so we ended up curating together about sixteen songs and recorded. I believe 14. We went to Sonic Ranch down in... Uh, oh, you did? Oh, oh wow. So I've spoiled. only heard ama- amazing things about Unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. Rada, this space. Sonic Ranch, I think it's the That's best where we should finish the, the tour, Rada. That's where Great. we should finish the tour for the, and just record the album at El Sonic Paso, Ranch. El Paso, Texas. It's on the 3,000-acre pecan farm. And uh, the owner has curated together like um, art pieces and the best recording gear in the country, I believe. And it's unbelievable. Picasso. You stay in these amazing rooms. There's incredible food that's cooked there. Mm. Um, it's right on the board, literally on the Mexican wall. There's the a lot of wow. energy, a lot of energy there. Right I want Yeah, I love that. I it's love amazing. that idea. What's it called? Sonic, Sonic Ranch. Ranch. And so we went down and with Ken and Nick Hart was the producer, um, who, you know, Grammy award-winning producer, um, Snarky Puppy Records. He, he he's done many great things in his career. An and old friend of an ours. An old friend who did Rise and Fall, an album. Oh, okay. That we put yeah, out. Ken album. Yeah. And so, off we went. We were there for a week and had the. It was just a dream. And uh, out came this this record called "I Went to the Sea to Be Free," and uh, that's what's submitted you know, this year. That is so amazing. Yeah, that that spot has had so many legendary records come out of it. I mean, from all genres of music, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. at the drive-in is like you know, like one side of the scope to, to your record. Like it's just all over the place. But it really is. It's I've heard stunning. All the amazing things about about that about the rancher. They're all true. They're all true. <laughs> well, very cool. I'm and I'm so glad uh, we had the chance to, to all get together and, and and talk about this amazing project you put together. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. This is Thank you. Fantastic. Yeah. I have one more question. I want to make, get an answer from everyone individually. If you have any advice for aspiring artists. Hmm. Hmm. Rada, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, get into your body. Um, you know, I think so much of the songwriting process can be in your head and to really, as you're writing, don't sit down and be static, be standing and move your body. Um, I, I think that that um, that's the piece of advice I can offer. Mm, lovely, love that, that so much. I would add by saying, uh, dare to suck. You know, just reiterate. <laughs> you know, um, let the first idea come out uh, without criticism or judgment. You know, that can be a part of the first part of the cr- pro- songwriting process. Has to be 
um, trust and belief that maybe just maybe your ideas are brilliant and they might not be curated yet but mm. let them out yes and yes and yes and yes nice. and yes and uh, uh, name your ideas that would be just hmm. to reiterate that again I would say um, I would say don't do it alone mm. you know so it's the, the lone wolf path to, to songwriting or any creative act you know I think we were built as humans to interact to collaborate to to reflect you know to support to create a safe space for people to dare to suck and to be in their body and to feel free and expressive and you know I think you know safe spaces for songwriting sober songwriting sessions perhaps you know so many times we've we've gone to sessions before and it's been you know whatever the, the there's just not a sober environment and so you know for people to kind of experience that perhaps would be would be great like safe spaces so that people can uh you know truly truly collaborate and trust each other because mm. it takes a lot of you know trusting and writing a song together is a radical act in a way